0: We just stepped on their face with a half boot and broke their nose. One, two, three, Bullshit. Welcome to the Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Cathay, coming to you today from the Death Star Studios, talk to you about some high school football. We usually schedule one podcast a week, but we decided to throw in this emergency podcast to cover some breaking news in the world of high school football, which more or less is a major sport here in Georgia. So if you're new to the show, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook. You can also email us at titlerunsports at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any major podcasting platform. Sorry for that little fit of laughter you probably heard. Uh, Billy the intern put me on the wrong microphone, and it took four takes for us to get it fixed. And this is why we pay Billy what he gets paid. All right, so moving on. There was some major news today from the GHSA, which is the governing body of high school sports here in Georgia. As many of you listeners know, I coach football in Metro Atlanta in a Gwinnett County high school, so today's decisions affect my livelihood in more ways than one. So today it was decided that the GHSA would delay the start of the season by two weeks, moving the start date from August 21st to September 5th. The teams are going to maintain a 10-game schedule, and the GHSA will maintain a 32-team five-week playoff. So that's what was decided, but what were some of the other options? So essentially there were five options that were on the table. The first was to start on time and play a regular schedule. The second option was to shorten the season and or shrink the playoffs, which a number of other states have done. They've shortened the season to eight or seven games, and instead of taking 32 teams for their tournament, they may only take 16 or even eight in some states. The third option was to delay the start of the season. The fourth option was to move the season to the spring, which has been done in some states. California just announced that they are moving the start of their football season to either December or January. And the last option, which is the one that no one wanted, was to completely cancel football and all other fall sports. So, what would be the drawbacks of each? If you started on time, which would have been essentially playing a scrimmage game in about two weeks and then playing the first regular season game about two weeks after that, you end up with a restart of football and school at a time when the COVID cases are astronomically higher than they were when school ended in March and the situation where kids have not even put on pads yet. The GHSA allowed teams to start practicing back in June 8th, but with all kinds of restrictions. So for the majority of the month of June, all coaches could do was work out their players through weightlifting and then run their players on a track. They loosened those restrictions after the week of the 4th of July, which is the GHSA's dead week, and allowed teams to use a ball. And to actually do football related activities on the field the problem is that we were put in groups of 50 and the 50 included the coaches meaning that teams had to split their players and their coaches into different groups so the end result of that is that we have coaches that have not worked with their starters because their starters are in a different group than they are our outside linebackers coach has yet to work with his starters and our tight ends coach has yet to work with his starters I personally have yet to see any of the kids in the JV group for my position. So, if you were to start the season with the regular schedule at the regular time, you would have kids playing in games that had just put on pads two weeks before. And here's what's so different about high school football. In high school football, you have kids that have literally never put on a helmet before, never put on pads before, never gotten in a stance. So with high school football, you are starting from ground zero with some of these kids. So the idea of playing a game two weeks after some of these kids take their first step onto a football field to put on pads and do these other things is just insane. You're asking for all kinds of conditioning problems and injuries because kids don't know how to block and tackle, fall, and do football movements safely. They still have to be taught. And two weeks is not enough time to teach those things and then prepare to do any kind of competent scheming for a real game. So another option would be to shorten the season and shrink the playoffs. But the problem with that is that it limits revenue. And I'll come back to talking about the money at the very end. But revenue is a big part of this decision. But shortening the season and shrinking the playoffs would limit revenue and cut out a lot of deserving teams. And I know you listen and you say, oh, okay, well, sour grapes. You didn't make it. But to give you an example, in Region 1, which is the South Georgia region in both 6A and 7A, they generally will finish the regular season with at least three or four teams in the region of five or six total teams ranked in the top ten. So if you cut that region down to two playoff spots or even one, you're cutting out maybe two or three top ten teams for making the playoffs. And in the sense of fairness, you do want to try to get as many of the best teams in the playoffs as you can. So while it's easy to say, hey, win your region, well, if you have a region where there's two other teams that are in the top five, it's a little bit different than playing a team playing in a region where all the other teams are 500. And so shortening the season and tricking the playoffs would solve some problems, but it' create the problem of limited revenue and having a very, very unbalanced tournament for your championship. The fourth option is moving football to the spring, which creates all kinds of problems because at a school like mine, for example, We have a four-star football player who just signed a couple weeks ago with an ACC school. And being that he is an excellent student also, he is going to graduate in December to enroll early at his school. That's the same situation with numerous schools around the state of Georgia because there are numerous elite athletes around the state of Georgia. So for schools like mine, we would have to play our football season in the spring without our best player. And that would be the case for a lot of other schools. Those kids are going to go to their colleges and play, and you're going to see a huge decrease in the star power and the quality of the high school football because you're going to have a majority of the state's best players leaving to go to college and not play. Moving the season to the spring creates that problem in addition to the problem of having the revenue move to the spring when it's really needed earlier in the school year. And again, I'll come back to that in just a moment. The fourth option, and I think I said the last one was actually the fourth option, but this is actually, this is truly the fourth option, is delaying the start of the season. So this is the option that Georgia actually went with, and the difficulty with this is that it's going to either eliminate bye weeks or it's going to push the games up until Christmas. So a typical high school football season is 17 weeks. You have games like the Corky Kell Classic that are played week zero, in air quotes, and then typically teams have a bi-week and then 10 regular season games and then a five-round playoff so your typical high school football season lasts 17 weeks starting from september 5th counting forward 17 weeks puts you playing the state championship games either on christmas eve or christmas day not gonna happen so by choosing to push the season back the trade-off is going to be that either bye weeks are eliminated or we'll be playing these games the week of christmas after finals are over and kids are out of school. The final option, of course, would be to cancel football and all fall sports, which was easily the least palatable option for the reasons of the lack of revenue schools would get from the football gates and the general outrage that would stem from canceling what is easily the South's favorite sport. and What is also a source of pride and unity for a lot of communities in the state of Georgia. So I've hinted at the problem of money several times, but the question is, why does the money matter? I'll put it this way. My school does not draw huge crowds to a lot of our games. When we play our crosstown rival, our best gate last year was somewhere around $24,000 on our end. By comparison, the lacrosse program that I'm also responsible for running runs on a budget of $11,000 for boys and girls lacrosse combined. So to put it in perspective... One really good football gate probably generates enough revenue to pay for four or five other sports. Think about sports with low overhead like golf, tennis, cross-country, track. A few good gates for a football season pays for all of those sports. So if you cut out football in the fall, there is no money to pay for the sports because those sports do not generate revenue. There are some schools in my county that have elite programs in basketball like Norcross or baseball like Parkview, who's a multiple-time state champion and national champion. But for most schools, baseball, soccer, basketball are sports that lose money. And so without that huge income from football gates in the fall, you may have to cancel all sports for the entire school year. So if it did reach a point where the COVID cases decreased in January and you felt comfortable going with athletics, because there was no football, there's now no money to pay for the sports and everybody loses. Now it goes without saying that the most important thing here is the health and well-being of the student athletes and also coaches. And as a coach, I would like to stay healthy. So the question then becomes, well, what's the protocol for a positive test? What things were they doing to keep kids safe? Obviously, high schools do not have access to testing, so if a kid has symptoms or tests positive, they have to isolate for 14 days from the onset of the symptoms, and this is also the case if someone in their family shows symptoms, which we're currently going through right now. They must remain isolated until at least 14 days pass, and they are symptom-free for at least two days, or in that time span, they must have two negative tests. We're also being required to do things like spray disinfectant on all the bars and wipe down the weight room between each session. We are not allowed to use locker rooms right now. We're having to spray down the helmets because the kids were given the ability to use helmets on Monday. We're having to spray down and disinfect helmets after each day. So these are very, very minor precautions, but it's the best we're able to do right now. And the real question is, What's going to happen when a kid tests positive? What happens when you're starting quarterback tests positive in week 11 before the playoffs? Our coach is going to follow the protocol. Our kid's going to self-isolate. Our kid's going to admit that they got a positive test. Our coach is going to admit that their kid is showing symptoms. That's a real question because if people don't follow the rules and you get an outbreak on our entire team, or heaven forbid, the worst happens and a kid dies... This is over for everybody. So that leads to the question of how do you make football work with digital learning? And the answer to that is very much to be determined. Because even in our coach's office today, we were discussing some of the challenges we're going to face with the kids not being on campus. First and foremost, transportation. Because a lot of our kids do not drive. So, yes, a lot of your juniors and seniors can get to practice. But what about your freshmen and sophomores? Digital learning means no buses, and some of these kids don't have parents that can bring them at 2 o'clock in the middle of the afternoon to practice and then pick them up at 5, 30, or 6, when we're done. So getting them there is an issue. Also, weight and film. Weight training and watching film are two cornerstones of football at the high school, college, and pro levels, and those are two things that are going to be very, very difficult to work out the majority of our athletes are assigned to a specific weight training class for a certain period of the day so that our strength coach for football can do weight training with them. So if weight training becomes digital, they're not in our weight room doing their workouts. So that means these kids are losing strength and conditioning that we've just spent the last two months trying to build up. As for film, our program typically does film before school. Since that's not an option, we're now trying to do film through either Zoom Or by having to do film and wait after practice, meaning our two-hour day just turned into a four- or five-hour day. And is that even feasible? Can you keep kids there for four or five hours? It's a lot of difficult decisions that are going to have to be made, and a lot of compromises are going to have to be made to try to make this work so we can have something resembling good high school football. So, again, what would happen if they had decided to cancel the season? The good thing is that, yeah, you do limit the concerns for health and safety. Because, yeah, locker room is probably not the best place to avoid spreading a virus that's transmitted through droplets. And, yes, it is rather difficult to pre social distancing in football when you're trying to tackle each other and block each other <laughs> and cover each other. And then when you look at the cons, and not that any of these should outweigh safety, but there are some things to consider when you cancel season, You're talking about a massive loss of scholarship earning opportunities for so many players who have maybe worked for the chance to play during their senior year or who maybe got playing time as juniors are in position to earn scholarships, but schools want to see more film or even come see them play in person. And the loss of massive revenue leading to the possible canceling of spring sports. In addition to the loss of interest and motivation from students, And if you don't think that's a real thing, you're crazy because there are so many students for whom sports, not just football, tie them to school and are the only reason they give two craps about their grades because they know that they have to take care of the classroom to be able to play the sport they love. The last thing, and this is something that I'm sharing from a little bit of an insider perspective, is that losing the football season? In some counties is going to result in a loss of pay for the coaches now for some people they say well yeah if you don't coach the sport why should you get paid but let me explain to you why football is a little bit different so remember that football coaches have been with their players since june 8th So, by the time the first game is played on september 5th they will have been with their players for roughly three months training coaching etc so let's say the worst happens And the season gets canceled due to a spike in coronavirus cases between now and September 5th. What came out this past week is that in the case of a canceled season, some counties were not going to pay their coaches anything. So let's keep that in perspective. These coaches, who for three months have been working, risking getting coronavirus, would get zero in return for the investment they put into their program and now imagine being the head coach that has to tell your coaches hey guys sorry you get nothing for the last three months of work or being a head coach who is going to lose out on maybe a thousand dollars a month on income that you rely on to support your family when you've been busting your tuchus to try to get your team on the field that is wrong on so many levels and it created quite the stink this week when it came out in my county. So again, those are all reasons for why they were desperately trying to make the season go. So the final question is, of course, did they make the right call? Personally, I think so. And this is me taking my coaching hat off for a second and trying to come at this objectively. The truth is that there are no perfect solution to any of these issues right now. You basically just have a lot of bad options and you're trying to make chicken salad of chicken crap. But I feel that this option provides the best potential for doing that. You have a chance to build revenue for other sports. You have a chance to get these athletes the exposure that they've worked for. You have a chance to get these coaches the pay that they have worked for. And yeah, it's risky. And it's a little scary. But in a world where we have so many negative things going on, I think that this is probably the best of a lot of bad options for the athletes and the communities involved. Disagree? I want to hear about it. Let me know what you think. Hit us up on our email at titlerunsports at gmail.com. This is Dave Bethay for the Title Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.